Sounded more like Elvis. Sounds very like Elvis. Barry White's way deeper, unless yeah. whatever that drawl oh. is. You know what? You know what? Elvis sucks. How about that? How about Elvis. that for a hot take, round? Elvis sucks. And that's the podcast this week. See you next week. We can't go on together with suspicious minds. Come on. I don't remember that at all. I think you just made that song up. Remember when La- when uh, LeVar Ball made up the song like, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what you just did. No, I remember when he made up a league that didn't pay any of its players. So. <laughs> Some, I, I saw a theory that apparently LeBron has paid him off to go away. I don't believe it, but it's a theory. No, there's no way. There's no way LeBron would give him that kind of respect. Speaking of basketball, did you see uh, the Athletic hired a bunch of new writers? Really fancy names. They hired some of the best in the business. And then and NBA writers version of Javal <laughs> McGee. Javal McGee. I don't feel like it's a it's a good fit for you. Really? I, I mean, people have been praising this all day, and I not once in my life have looked at you and thought athletic. Oh, please. I mean, I'm more athletic than almost everybody they have. Yeah, more, I would destroy more all those people in basketball. Are you kidding me? You know who can more play? athletic than Ethan Strauss. Well done, what? congratulations. Yes. Uh, Tony Jones can play. He's good. Uh, at this point, David Aldridge is like you know in his fifties, I think. So I, I should be able to handle that. Um, <laughs> is this why you've been in the gym for the last six weeks to try and live up to this uh, this moniker? You've got? That's it. That's that's definitely why. Running, no, running from three point line to three point line and shooting is not athleticism. Like I'm good at sports. Well, they're paying like, you to write, okay? None of this actually matters. Well, you call you talking <laughs> shit about me being not athletic. I'm way more athletic than most of those guys. Okay, you're very athletic for someone who podcasts for a living. I'll go beat them in an obstacle course today. I'm on, not, I'm on, all right, not no, no, you, you need ninja. to you not need to run ninja. that. <laughs> a mean will have you. Yeah. Well, no, I think I can take a mean in that course. I think I could have made it past the first thing. We should let the listeners know that we are recording this during the fourth quarter of Monday Night Football, which is. About 4 a.m. for me, so... Yeah. I, I thought this was a good idea six hours ago. Now I'm like, oof. Yeah. This is a bit raw. Well, th- you're being you're being kind because I have to go to the Lakers practice tomorrow, so... Yeah. Oh, That's only one of, on. one of us has... Hold on, I gotta, I gotta email them saying I'm coming to Lakers practice tomorrow. <laughs> Do we have uh, any pod-friendly wedding stories? Uh, pod-friendly... Yeah, I mean, like, I, it wasn't too crazy. Uh, <laughs> I could tell a story about Justin Barrier... I mean, we're an NFL podcast. I don't think anyone knows it, but it doesn't matter if it's a good story. So it's the so there's the wedding, then there's a reception. There was a bar after the reception, like a post reception, and we're there for a little bit. Uh, Our friend Graydon Gordian tried to set us up with two women at the bar. I wasn't really interested, so I like went up there with Justin to play some wingman. They were they were nice enough, but like I like my heart wasn't in it. So and and Justin is. You know, Justin's fine, but he, if his if he's not really getting momentum, it's not going to work. Uh, so, like, we talked to them for I don't know. By the way, by the way, I feel that <laughs> that's, 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 that is so, me. So we talked to them for like fifteen twenty minutes, and then the conversation kind of fizzled a little bit. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And so I walked away. He walked away, and then so we were standing at the other end of the bar, and this woman comes from this other room. She walks up to Justin. She goes, Justin. You're the most beautiful – or no, she didn't say Justin. She didn't know his name. She said, hey, you're the most beautiful man I've ever seen. 
Oh, no, no, that's not what she said. At first she said, are you married? And he said, no. And she said, would you like to be? And he said, what? And then she said, you're the most beautiful man I've ever seen. <laughs> and, Justin, and Justin, like, points to me. He goes, what about this guy? He kind of looks like me. And we both looked, me and the woman both looked at each other. We're like, no, nah, we're good. Like, that's not it. So then she, like, drags him into this other room that had another bar and, like, talk to him for, I don't know, it must have been 20, 25 minutes. Like, it was a while. And I kept asking him once he left her, like, what was she, like, what was the conversation? What was going on? He just, he was like, she just kept telling me how good looking I am. And, that must be what it, I, and I, I don't, feel like. I don't, I don't want to be rude about her, but if you told me, like, she was on meth, I wouldn't have been shocked. <laughs> now, I don't think that's why she thinks Justin's good looking. <laughs> Justin's a good looking dude. No, she's just missing six teeth. <laughs> no, I feel kind of meth mouth, like you know the meth mouth look. Yeah, me, I definitely do. From, from all my years growing up in the rough and back roads of Ireland, I love that. I love the idea that Justin is uh, just sitting there and someone's saying, "You know how beautiful you are." That's pretty much just happens to every woman ever at every single bar if she's on her own. Well, he did say that. He was like, "That must be what it's like." I feel like you're just too happy because of this new job and you're trying to talk to me I'm in about a all good different mood. things. I had a, I had a good I mood. And you had a terrible week picking games. We'll get, back, get to that in terms Oh, I was at a wedding. What do you want from me? <laughs> That's not the way that works. I had a red eye. <laughs> let's pick games. Jade is already giving out to me that we talk too much bollocks on this podcast. Oh, we're not picking games. That's that's Thursday. Oh, yeah, that's Thursday. We're it's discussing what happened. It's 4 a.m. Leave me all alone. Right. This is going to be Monday terrible podcasting, football. all right? Fits. Fitz magic is now Fitz tragic. Abracadabra, magic's gone. I mean, we should probably not talk about this game first since there's still like 13 minutes left in it right now. Oh, it's only, oh, it's only a 10-point game. Yeah, they just got a little touch Magic might be back. Abracadabra, it's back. <laughs> I don't right. think that's the way it works. That's not how that works? It's like three interceptions in the first half. I think the bigger story here is actually Roethlisberger had that awful interception at the start of the game. Didn't see the safety reading his eyes, threw the ball late, threw it short, safety broken out, easy interception. Something he's done an awful lot of over the last couple of years, and he's done an awful lot of it this year too, but he's been really, really good since then. He's been aware of the pass rush, which is always an issue with him. You can kind of catch him out if you rush four, change it up, rush three, rush five, and if you do it often enough, he will either get rid of the ball too quickly or hold on to it for too long, and it'll result in those big negative plays that they often create. But... In this game, Vance McDonald put Chris Conti's career at an end. He put him in a grave, basically, Ooh, with, yeah. that, with that handoff. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has made a bunch of really good plays. Antonio Brown had that first touchdown where he made a defender miss in space. It was Brent Grimes, I think. And Jason Witten has marred the whole thing. He's so bad. Did you see the most recent thing? Oh, what he, happened? He called um, these new rules left-wing rules. He called the the like the quarterback see, I, stuff, yeah, or the, the targeting stuff. Yeah, you see, I get all this stuff that he's struggling with, but he also said they should throw to Mike Evans in a one-on-one situation where Mike Evans had a cornerback and a safety got him, which is kind of like sounds like one-on-two. Yeah, that's not like this. The kind of thing we should probably not have issues with. But anyway, let's move past this. I don't want to make this a weekly segment, but it's going to be a weekly segment. It's going to be a weekly the other thing segment. Is, the other thing is, I did want to talk about uh, second second half or second quarter end of the first half. The Steelers were on the one yard line of the Buccaneers. They got uh, a penalty, so the ball was moved to the one or moved to the half line. So basically, 
at this point the ball can't be moved any closer to the end zone there's 10 seconds left ball snaps Steelers get a mismatch in the slot throw it for a quick touchdown what the Buccaneers needed to do in that situation tackle every wide receiver at the very start of the play get them down to one second so then the Steelers have a choice are we going to go for it and have one opportunity to score a touchdown or are we just going to kick our field goal and take our three points Every single coach in the NFL, except for the new young guys, are always going to kick that field goal. Mike Tomlin's an old-school coach. He's going to kick that field goal. You, you, it gives you a de- defensive standard that you didn't actually earn. So the Buccaneers fucked that up because instead of forcing them to kick the field goal, they had, uh, they had a mismatch in the slot, an easy touchdown, and now we're in the fourth quarter, and it's a 10-point game rather than it being a three- or a four-point game. Um, also, like, Fitz was just terrible, right? He's always terrible. Like, this is who he is. Oh, he's terrible. Who's Fitz magical? He, look. Now he's Fitz tragical. The, I I got asked to do a a radio show tomorrow to talk about this. And I literally responded to him. I'm not doing it. Because if you can't talk about this on your own at this point, I'm not coming doing it for you because he's done it six or seven times. There is no point in doing, talking about Fitzpatrick. This is what he is. It's what he's always been. Why do we keep coming back to it just when he gets a couple of touchdowns? He relies on Mike Evans. He relies on Deshaun Jackson. He relies on Cameron Brady, who we tried to kill earlier with a terrible scene pass. He relies on OJ Howard. And he's just not someone who... He's, he's the only quarterback I've ever heard referred to as a game manager and a gunslinger while being neither and while being awful. I just don't understand. Stop falling for this oh, guy every couple of weeks. He's a gunslinger. You know what? Actually, I'm going to let this slide. I was well. Am I? Just do it. It's a all right. He's a bit of a slinger because isn't he supposed to get his seventh kid soon? <laughs> he's not slinging guns. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, guns. <laughs> Wait, slinging it? Is that how you're doing this? <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's why I'm well, alone. You're avoiding having seven kids, so that might not be a problem as yeah, much of a solution. Yeah, that's true. No, that's, that's for sure. I'm avoiding <laughs> having one kid, let alone seven. Um, all right, I let's move on. To... Let, I, by the way, I love the idea that you're suddenly employed, and they're like, oh, I should probably let this one slide. Whereas oh, there's a no. reckless, reckless, oh. reckless Zach has been here all the time. I've got guaranteed money, buddy. They can fire me whenever they want. I don't care. Oh, you've got one of those NBA contracts? Yeah. One of those NFL contracts? No, no, no NFL contract here. Um, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Josh Rosen, Blaine Gabbert 2.0, is now starting for the Arizona Cardinals. I forgot that you hate Josh Rosen. That was one it's of not that I hate him. Things. I just think he sucks. What, you, is he the one you say looks like a potato, or is that Sam Darnold? No, Sam Darnold looks like a potato. What does Josh Rosen look like? Uh, I don't know. Let's see CFL quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that's unnecessary um, okay so I have a bit well, kind of a wider issue here where same thing with Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor why did the Browns trade for Tyrod if they were going to play him for three weeks it made sense if you were going to play him for a full season if you're going to sit your quarterback sure. for a full season that's fine that means you believe in sitting a quarterback if you're going to start him you start him in week one and get him, get him all 16 games of his rookie year same issue here I get that they didn't have the first overall pick, so they couldn't be sure that they were going to get Josh Rosen. Like, he wasn't expected to fall as far as he did. But once you've signed Bradford and once you've decided to start Bradford in week one, why are you suddenly throwing him in now when Bradford's playing terrible like everyone expected Bradford to play? It doesn't make any sense. 
the right. what should, what matters to your, your team right now is this young quarterback who you expect to be the face of your franchise. You and I can say whatever we want about him. They took him in the top 10, so they believe he can be a 10-year starter. And the decision, it's fine if you think Josh Rosen can start now and you think he should start now. That's fine, but that means he should have been starting in week one. It doesn't mean he should be thrown in for a two-minute drill at the end of a game you're losing because Bradford has fumbled the ball. This just, it's mismanagement and it's not understanding the long-term matters more for you. Maybe it's just now that coaches are so scared of being fired that they can't uh, keep their quarterbacks on the bench. And it makes sense because you've now got five first-round quarterbacks. All five of them are playing. Lamar Jackson isn't really playing because he's playing playing wide receiver and Joe Flacco's trying to kill him. But the other four starting at this early, it's just it suggests that none of these teams or none of these quarterbacks are ever going to sit again. And right. we're always going to have this charade of, hey, you're going to start for a month or you're going to sit for a month and then you're going to come in Uh-oh. when we suck. No, it's got called back. You're way behind. I am way behind. I'm on satellite. Or not satellite. I'm on. Uh, I'm streaming. You're, you're like 30 seconds behind. Yeah, I'm usually 30 seconds behind on football. <laughs> I got DirecTV now. Like, it's all it's all through streaming. What do you want from me? I, I thought you were uh, giving saying that was about your own takes. Oh, no, my takes are always right. Except when you go 0 and 16 last weekend. 0 and 16? I was at a wedding. <laughs> that a wedding? Sounded like, sound like you went 0 and 16 at that wedding, too, though. Oh, come on. I didn't take 16 shots. <laughs> unlike you. <laughs> Wait, it is unlike me. <laughs> uh, you're sharing a room in an Airbnb. What are you going to do? It's not college anymore. <laughs> What's um, that mean? <laughs> Like in college, if you were in college, if you, you know, sharing a room in college, like you go back, you throw a sock on the door, like, hey, I knew you were going to say, hey, I need four door. minutes. Right? Like, lovely. Let's move on to actual football talk. Uh, speaking of not scoring, Jimmy Garoppolo done for the year. Yeah, this one's a tough one because, well, it's a tough one because the only I'd like to rant real quick. Fault. I'd like to rant real quick. There were replays of it on uh there were replays of it and the commentators i don't i don't remember if it was in the game or if it was like a post-game highlight show but there were commentators saying like oh come on jimmy we know you're a tough guy just run out of bounds you don't have to make that cut like that's not how acl's tearing acl tearings work that's not how that works that thing was gonna pop at some point no matter what it didn't just take that one step if he runs out of bounds there probably pops on the next play like that's not how that works don't be stupid. He was always going. If his ACL was going to tear there on that little step. He was always going to tear it. Do you know how many uh, passes Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown in this career? Twenty. Uh, Guess. Uh, all right. So he's played in what? He's played in like approximately twelve games. Like started twelve games. Something like I'm that. I'm not going right? to help you. I'm not going to uh, help you. I'm going to say four hundred fifty. Three hundred and sixty-one. Woo. So he's going to be a 27-year-old starting quarterback whose salary ca- salary hit is $20 million, who is coming off an ACL tear, who has thrown 361 passes in his career at the start of next season, and who has had his season, basically his season ended twice with significant injuries, because when he was the Patriots starter for that four-game break suspension, he was taken out after a week and a half, I think, or two and a half weeks, whichever, Jacoby Brissett was forced to play against the Texans and one other team. The thing about this is Garoppolo was a major unknown when they gave him this massive contract and now that unknown gets pushed another 12 months back and it gets the injury added to it. So from the 49ers point of view, 
How do you sit here and say, oh, we've got our quarterback locked up, we know where our direction of our franchise is, and you've got to wait another 12 months to find out if he's even good? I get that you can get out of this contract, but they will need him to completely crater for them to actually leave this contract. Even if you love what Garoppolo has done to this point, he has played half of a season of attempts over six years or whatever it is. Drew Brees throws the ball 600 times a year and Garoppolo has half of a Drew Brees season. That's not something you can be hugely definitive about. The only thing I'm definitive about him with is he throws the ball to defenders too much because that's the thing he's repeatedly done. So from a franchise point of view, long term, this is a major, major issue. Short term, people are talking about trading for Tyrod Taylor. They're talking about trying to, well, they're talking about Colin Kaepernick, but everyone knows that's not going to happen. But it looks like they're going to sign Tom Savage and CJ Beathard is not good enough to make them relevant this year. No, it's really not. The, I, I don't anticipate them making any significant move because one, the roster isn't good enough, the team isn't good enough for them to like contend with a backup quarterback. And two, all they did last year because Shanahan was talking about how it takes weeks for a quarterback to learn their system and they were forced to put they were forced to put Garoppolo in. They didn't want to start him last year either. So I can't see them bringing Tyrod Taylor in and running a pared down offense. Instead, they're going to run with Bethard, who can run. He's a bit like Blaine Gabbert. I know you want to compare Josh Rosen to Blaine Gabbert, but he's actually like Blaine Gabbert. Oh, Josh Rosen is too. They all are. You're just mean. Um, you're, you're a mean-hearted individual. So I don't hate this from the 49ers' perspective. They have their pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate this because they weren't going to be good this year, right? Like, I think they could have been about a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight team, which, like, all right, you can still get plenty of value in the first round at whatever that ends up being, what, like 17-21 to 21 pick or whatever that ends up being. Um, but in this case, like, lose out. Like, I'm fine with, like, tank – get a high pick, trade that for multiple picks, whatever, like whatever you're going to do. Like I do think, I think Jimmy can probably, I still like, I still believe in Jimmy. I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Like, I don't know. Like he's not Tom Brady, but I still think he's, like, but he's I, I love, good. I love this though. Uh, you have to say, I still believe in him. He's throwing 361 passes. Well, you just, you just shit all over him. <laughs> but my whole point is we don't know how good he is. It's not this guy who's at the end of his career. It's a guy who's just starting out. Yeah. I still think he's good. You I'm not worried about the ACL being torn. You don't have to say still. <laughs> I will always think he's no, not always, but no, I still, I, I think he's good. And so, um, so if they can go get some actual value with that pick, he comes back healthy. Like they're they're in probably better shape than if they had just tried to trudge through the season as a as an okay team. Yeah, and to your point, the defensive side of the ball for them is where they've got most of their young guys. They're, those guys are still going to grow and develop and become better as a unit. So they're not going to lose out too much in that sense. Offensively, they've got more veterans. They've got guys who are established. And Jarrett McKinnon's already out for the year as well. But once he comes back, you've got the center there, Weston Rickberg. He's fine as well. So I, I don't think there's any real major losses or major disruption to this team overall. It'll be bad in the short term, but come back next year. And I think they'll still be on track to be a good team if Garoppolo's healthy and a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, man, that, like, there's just not a ton of talent on that team. There's well, like defensively, like, there's quite a bit at this stage. Yeah, de- well, yeah, defensively, I'm yeah, I'm more talking like skill position. Like, Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, uh, Dante Pettis, or a bunch of guys. George Kittle. That's yeah, they're, they're fine. Like, yeah, I think Kittle's. I think Kittle's really solid. 
Uh, but like, there's just not a whole lot there. I, I do think they could look into trading Marquise Goodwin because his value is a little bit inflated in that Kyle Shanahan offense and he's older than the rest of the guys. Yeah. So he's on a little bit of a, a different development curve or a different winning curve, I guess. What's the right word for that? So, you know, when you're, you're, you're planned, your six-year plan or whatever, this is the point we're growing, this is the point we're rebuilding, this is the point we're challenging. What's, what's like, uh, there's a name for that, isn't there? I might have made it up in my head years ago and forgotten it. Let's move on. Uh, next topic you've got on here. This Andrew Luck nonsense. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I have to explain this to you because you were too busy at a wedding with Justin Verrier hitting on meth heads. Uh, the... No, the meth head was hitting on him! <laughs> and she turned you down. What does that say about you? I turned her uh... down too. <laughs> oh, there we go. Mike Evans just scored a touchdown. Um, I ruined that for you. Uh... Yeah, so Andrew Locke, people are making this big deal about Andrew Locke and about how he didn't take the Hail Mary at the end of the game. They brought in Jacoby Brissett to do it. Okay, Jacoby Brissett came in, that's fine. Jacoby Brissett is a huge arm, one. It's a Hail Mary, two. So there's no actual need to have your starting quarterback there. It's all about just heaving the one to the end zone. Three, why would you need to put Andrew Locke in to have this heave at, at this early stage of the season? There's no point putting that much stress on his shoulder as it's working its way back. Four, most importantly... He has done enough in every other aspect of the game to have full confidence in his shoulder. The thing with Andrew Luck was, I might have already said this on the pod, when his shoulder was bad, it wasn't that he couldn't throw the ball deep, it's that his short and intermediate passes, he had to concentrate so much on his mechanics that they were constantly off target and he was constantly misreading or mis- misplacing the ball in tight areas. So he has not had that issue so far. He's been really, really good in Frank Reich's offense. It's a short passing, intermediate offense, but that's the offensive design. So there's no reason for all this concern about is Andrew Luck healthy? He's fine. The Colts are actually a lot better than anyone expected them to be. So they're actually looking pretty good. Here's the thing about that. Uh, his shoulder's destroyed. His shoulder's destroyed. I, I, did you have the borrowers in, in America? I don't know what that means. Um, did you have? Oh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so you have a uh, you have like loads of little men inside of Andrew Luck's shoulder, just making pulling harnesses and pulleys, and I think that's and pretty much what it is. Yeah, make, making everything click properly. Yeah, and then he's so, got a and then he's got inside out in his brain, where it's just a bunch of really really <laughs> sad people. Pretty much, yeah. That's usually my in my brain too. Um. Yeah, okay, so we're freaking out because he didn't throw a Hail Mary pass, like... Pretty much. Yeah, I'm You're really, you. I, you're really no, on a, the button here. It's such a... How am I supposed... I'm spent half the day in an airport. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> to be fair, in, like, two weeks, I'm going to Oktoberfest, and God only knows what this podcast is going to be. By the way, I had some of the best pizza of my life in Long Island. Woo! Long Island, known for its pizza. Severio's. It is known for its pizza. Is it? Oh, yeah, man. Some legit places in Long Island. Severius. Well, well, Long Island is New York, isn't it? Yeah, Long Island, New York. And it's like okay. real Italian there. There's a lot of Italian going on there. Oh, is that where uh, like the Cake Boss dude is? Jersey area? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know Cake Boss. I, I only know of him because of that whole thing about him uh, getting stopped for drunk driving. Stopped for drunk driving? I don't know. I don't even know who the Cake Boss is. Buddy, buddies, he's the dude that does that show where they design really fancy cakes, and he's got a bakery in, in New okay. Jersey, and uh, he he was drunk driving in Jersey, and uh, he got stopped and pulled over, and he turned to the cop and goes, don't you know who I am? I'm the cake boss. And wow. they, just put the, they put the cuffs on him and brought him shit. <laughs> 
they've taken the cuffs off, Carson Wentz returned. Yeah, had a couple of really, really good throws. So Carson Wentz's biggest uh, positive over the course of his career has been his intermediate passing. He has an exceptional ability to fit the ball over linebackers, under safeties, into tight windows, in between the numbers, and uh, less so outside the numbers, but in, in between the numbers mostly. That's why Zach Ertz and the other tight ends last year, Trey Burton, were big features of the offense. So, first drive of the game... Had one outstanding throw into Arts down the seam. Again, exactly what I was just talking about. Over linebacker, linebacker outreached hand at full extension. Perfectly placed ball. Only place he could put it for, for a completion. That was really good. Followed that up with a, a throw to the tight end again in the end zone for a touchdown. But that one was actually a blown coverage. He held the safety in a cover three. So deep middle safety was out of the play. The cornerback to the tight end side was supposed to match the vertical release of the tight end. But instead he stayed on the flat release from the... Running back or fullback, I'm not sure which it was. So that left the receiver or the tight end wide open. But for the most of the game, he was a little bit jittery, a little bit all over the place, a little bit inconsistent with his ball placement and his decision-making. He missed some open receivers, made some bad reads. Stuff you expect from a guy coming back from an ACL tear. Uh, I think he had an interception where it was poorly thrown. It was thrown behind his tight end over the middle. The linebacker anticipated the route and jumped it. So that made it difficult for him. The thing that was really weird thing in this game is the Eagles had a 22-play, 11-minute drive in the fourth quarter. And it's the weirdest drive I've ever watched just because how long it took, obviously, but also the mix of what was going on. It's something everyone's talking about right now where the penalties in the NFL are just completely fucking crazy. On that drive... I understand the reasoning for this and this is kind of the whole I don't know maybe it's a a problem with trying to see both sides and things but defensive holding in the NFL is an automatic first down I understand the reasoning for that if you grab a receiver early in his route it could have been a 60 or 70 yard play right but if it's second and 26 after the offense has just got a holding penalty after a sack you've got this holding penalty that it brings the offense back 10 yards and then you get a defensive holding penalty and they only get 5 yards but they get an automatic first down that wipes off a 2nd and 26 that would otherwise be a 3rd and 26 how do we kind of balance that a little better because that seems a crazy thing to punish a defense I know we have 200 other different things going on right now where officials are unfairly punishing defensive players but this one has always kind of bothered me a little bit I'd like them to give actually this is something in general I want them to do is to give the NFL officials, the individual guys, more freedom to judge things. So, like, I was talking about this with Ezekiel Elliott's touchdown on Sunday that was wiped off. So, Zeke basically was wide open on the right sideline. The Seahawks blew a coverage or something, or Dak extended a play. I can't remember the details of it. But he's literally wide open on the sideline, no one near him. And the back of his heel touches the, touches the white in the sideline before yeah. he catches the ball. So then he catches the ball and the official puts his hat down and says, Oh yeah, you went out of bounds to catch the ball. The spirit of that rule is you don't if a cornerback block or if a cornerback forces you too wide and you just run outside onto the white and run around him and use that extra space, that's the spirit of that rule. You don't want players doing that because that's cheating. The spirit of the rule isn't if your heel slightly touches the white, that means you're out and negated from the play right. when you're already wide open. And here's the thing that really bothers me about this. On punts, when a gunner is running down the sideline and gets pushed out of bounds. The officials are trusted to judge if he tried to come straight back in bounds or if he, he just ran straight down the sideline. So right. they're allowing them to use that judgment, but they won't let them use it in other situations like defensive holding where the receiver is held relative to what, what yardage you're giving up or what down or distance you're getting or what first down you're getting back or whatever. Or on a play like Elliott's where he's slightly out of bounds and there's nothing to do with him getting open. 
I think the NFL just needs to trust these officials a little bit more, give them that little bit more leeway, and I actually think it'll help with a lot of this fan reaction too. Yeah, I like that. I I think that a lot of the I just I I get like all right, you can't run out of bounds, run into a crowd, and come back in and try to like trick them, right? But yeah, like I I think that oh he stepped out of bounds or whatever and then came back in. Like I think as long as you establish back in, why does that ever matter? Well, that's the NBA rule, isn't it? You can't catch the ball without establishing beforehand. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you do not sound confident in that at all. Well, no, I'm trying to understand exactly what you said, but yeah, that's like, you, you have you, to. You when have when to, you go like, out of bounds, you have to get your two feet in. Two yeah. feet have to be in as before you touch the ball. The other thing about that, I also feel like these officials are in their head right now. Like when we talk about this relevant to the hits when quarterbacks are getting hit and landed on or getting touched in the head or whatever. I feel like they're watching the play, then trying to run it through their heads, like, oh, does this fit this rule? Does this fit this rule? Does this fit this rule? And then they throw the flag. Whereas, if you kind of said to them, hey, you kind of know what's what's legal and what's not legal. You know if you someone blows someone in the head or takes out someone's knee, or you can see it's purposely late hit. Like, you know what you're looking for. Just trust yourself and do that. I right. feel like these officials would be ten times better than they are. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean... It's weird that there's some ambiguity to some rules and no ambiguity to the other rules. What's amazing is we go to replay and people are still like, no, no, that's different to that. And arguing the same thing. It's like, right. <laughs> the rules are so convoluted that we right. can't just have this clear evidence of what happened or not. Yeah. Speaking of clear evidence, it was clear going into this game, as you and I both picked it this way, that the Buffalo Bills were going to dominate the Minnesota Vikings. Let's talk about Josh Allen just I'm destroying pretty- the best defense. I'm pretty sure we said that they could have made the Bills the favorites, and we would have still picked the Bills. Hundred percent. Like I, I was, I was taking the Bills minus nine and a half. That's yeah. all. That's all I remember. Yeah. Um, Same. We should touch on there is a story breaking right now. Everson Griffin didn't play in this game. He was hurt or supposedly hurt. Uh, neither did Dalvin Cook. By the way, they were. The idea was they were holding these players out because they expected to beat the Bills easily, and then they've got a tougher stretch coming up. I think they've got the Eagles and the Packers, or they've got NFC contenders anyway, it might be the Saints. So, Everson Griffin didn't play on Sunday. Apparently, he was in a hotel. This is all report speculation, not nothing, nothing decided or certain yet. Apparently, he was in a hotel and threatened people with a gun that he didn't actually have a gun. He just threatened them, said he had a gun, and then later that evening tried to break into the house of one of his teammates. So... There's something going on there. There's uh, people talking about mental health and apparently they, they need to check him and see what's, what's wrong with him. The last thing I remember of this was when Chandler Jones had something similar where he got weed that wasn't legal, I guess. Well, not mm-hmm. legal. Or, well, it's, I don't think it was legal anywhere at that point. But he got synth- synthetic, that's the word. He got yeah. synthetic weed that he and he went to like a police station shirtless or something like that. So it's something to keep an eye on. It's something that by the time this podcast comes out, it might have already had breaking news or whatever. But in terms of the football game, I expected Mike Zimmer to murder a couple of people this week. I have not seen that Vikings defense that bad in, oh, Jesus, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. Like This defense, shouldn't, like even the Eagles blew them out last year. Nothing close to how bad it was in this game. And funnily enough, Tony Romo said in the third quarter that the offense was the reason they lost, which is a fair statement considering what happened. But you still have to look at the defense and see they were blowing coverages. They had two guys. Anthony Barr had the worst game of his life. He gave up uh, a couple of penalties on Josh Allen. He got hurdled by Josh Allen that everyone saw. 
the Bills didn't really do anything spectacular. They won, they dominated on defense, and Kirk Cousins kind of fucked up a couple of times, missing open receivers and holding the ball too long and inviting sacks and pressure and not maximizing the, the, the time he got in the pocket when he did get time. But offensively for the Bills, like... Josh Allen didn't do a whole lot. He had his athletic plays, which we all knew he could do. Everyone knew he was a phenomenal athlete coming out. As right. a passer, they had this really rudimental play calling where there were six screens and there was 11 play-action plays on 23 attempts. So they were really, really simplifying everything in that offense. And they, the big play of the game came when Allen actually broke the design of the offense and he found uh, his running back, Chris Ivory, about 15 yards on field. And Ivory sprinted down the right sideline for about 50 more yards. So... Allen scored two touchdowns, one really good rushing, beat Anthony Barr to the edge. Outside of that, I didn't really learn anything about Allen that we didn't already know, and I feel like the Vikings really just went into this game, and like you and me, thought they were going to go in and win without even trying. Josh Allen's superstar. Been saying it all along. Uh, Speaking of quarterbacks, the Tennessee Titans have... uh, They got a quarterback controversy. Because Blaine Gabbert was their guy. And now Marcus Mariota, a little-known uh, quarterback prospect, might be their, their best player. Ryan Fitzpatrick's just thrown the ball to a defender twice, and they've dropped both of them. If he comes back and wins this game, oh God, it's going to be miserable tomorrow. It's going to be just um, magic. That's what it's going to be. Better get on that radio hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they'll actually call me back and want me to do that. <laughs> no, that's not happening. Um, Marcus Mariota and the Titans quarterback situation is a little bit of a disaster, and I don't understand it. And I wrote about it on Patreon this week because I was kind of just baffled by how they're handling this. So Mariota is apparently has a nerve issue or whatever, so he can't close his hand fully, he can't close his hand properly, so whether he can throw the ball deep downfield is a question mark. But he's also the only backup quarterback they kept on in, in the roster. They didn't sign anyone. They haven't had anyone else active on game day. So when Blaine Gabbard got murdered on a sack, got out for a concussion and was checked, he was out of the game for good. Mariota comes in and plays really well. And he plays drastically better than anything Blaine Gabbard has ever done, ever. So it's like, why did Mike Rabel put himself in this situation where Blaine Gabbard right. was starting? It doesn't make any sense. The thing that really stood out, though, the Jaguars might have fucked this up a little bit too because they didn't change their game plan at all when Gabbard came in for Mariota. They were, against Gabbard, they were sitting back with four or they were rushing four on third down and, pl- and dropping Seth's hands <laughs> back because they were expecting Gabbard to throw them the ball. And they did that with Mariota and Mariota picked them apart. His first three passes were all accurate throws on third down past the first down line and his, retrie- his receivers dropped all three of them. So eventually that stopped and they were able to move the ball a little bit. I think the deepest pass he threw outside of a play that was negated by a penalty was about 14 yards, and that was one of those first three throws. So outside of that, Mariota scrambled, designed runs, racked up a bunch of yards, made a bunch of key plays, and worked the short and underneath routes and just picked that Jaguars defense apart. Uh, that was an ugly game, right? Yeah, it was um, It was low scoring. Like it, wasn't, it was ugly in the sense that it was kind of uneventful and not good. But it wasn't ugly in the sense of both of these teams are making loads of mistakes over and over and over again. You know the way sometimes you can get those yakety sacks games where the ball is like bouncing everywhere and right. players are like falling over each other. It wasn't like that. It was just it was a poor game, I guess. Really. Um. Okay. Let's move to what do you got? Jordy Nelson making big plays. What in this economy? <laughs> hey, it's the white man's ear. Um, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
never mind. I can't say that. Um, <laughs> I am laughing to myself at a joke. Oh, that is boy. only for me. Oh, uh, boy. I do not want to know what it is. Problematic Tuesdays. We never introduction, introduced this pod, by the way. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Hot Take Router. What is it? The Interceptable Pod Drag? Is that what it is? It's the Interceptable Podcast. We need to pod like, Drag. Didn't we say Pod anyway, Drag? That was, that was a once off. You don't, you don't uh, do it every week. It's like, it's it's like the West Wing, all right? In the West Wing, you have different names for each episode. Jordy Nelson. I'm Wing, sick of hearing about the fucking West Wing. Jordy Nelson. Never going to watch it. <laughs> Jordy Nelson had about 150 yards in the first five minutes of the Dolphins Raiders game. And the reason I want to talk about this is partly about Jordy Nelson, mostly about Mickey Fitzpatrick. So Rashad Jones was injured. He did not play in this game. The idea of the Dolphins' defense was that Rashad Jones would be the deep seat free safety. Minka would work underneath. TJ McDonald would jump between both. So, interestingly, when Jones went out, Minka was put at free safety. He wasn't kept in his uh, usual position with a, a backup coming in. So, Minka plays, and he's first play of the game. Well, yeah, it was actually the first play of the game. Minka's free safety. They're playing, I think, cover one. So, that means one-on-one man coverage across the board. Minka's in the middle of the field. Jordan Nelson gets open over the middle, Carr hits him with an accurate throw, and Minka just takes an awful, awful angle to the football and lets Jordan Nelson run right past him. So, Jordan Nelson is now in the open field, running in a full sprint, away from the defense on the sideline. And, and he, he gets has, caught... He has surprising speed. Like, sneaky athletic. I wish I had a synonym to describe it. I, I just don't have Quite. anything... It's, it's deceiving me. I can't get oh, the, it is the, the de- word. Yeah, okay, yeah, that is kind I, of I a can't, tough one. I can't figure out the word. Sure. Um, so Nelson gets into this open space. He's sprinting full speed. And he gets caught from behind by a linebacker. Okay. And this is a fast linebacker. He ran a 4-5 or a 4-6 or something like that, which is fine. But once you're a linebacker and you've got all these pads on, you're presumably heavier during the season than you are at the combine. You should not be catching a wide receiver who's got five or six yards ahead of start on you who's in his full sprint already. Right. But he did. So you've got two ways of looking at that. You can say Jordy Nelson had 70 yards on a play, or you can say Jordy Nelson should have scored a long touchdown and got caught by a linebacker. Anyway, you come back to the second play. The second play is a little bit more about Minka than it is about Nelson. Nelson is in the seam. Again, similar play call. One deep free safety, man coverage underneath. Carr hits him with a perfect seam pass down, down the left seam. The cornerback falls down and Minka is nowhere to be seen because he played the position like he was still at Alabama where he started in the middle of the field, didn't gain any depth, just stood there, watched the quarterback, did nothing and suddenly realized the ball had been thrown down the field. He caught Nelson from behind because obviously it's Jordy Nelson. So he caught him before he got to the end zone. Big play, kept him out of the end zone, which is fine. But it became very clear very quickly that they need Rashad Jones to be on the field they got away with it against their car and that terrible offense and that terrible passing game. But if you're playing like they're playing Tom Brady this week, even though Tom Brady has no wide receivers and lost to the Detroit Lions, you can't have Mika Fitzpatrick as a deep safety, no matter how good Xavier Howard is. What about uh, the old Ryan Tannehill in that game? He looks pretty good. I know you're a big fan. I know you like him. I know you're a big Dolphins guy. Moving to Miami. No. He's a, I've lived in Miami before. Uh, he's a, you know, he's like the 20th best quarterback or something like that. I don't know. Disrespectful. Absolutely disrespectful. Like, you should like him. He's one of the best deep passers in the league. He's a big athlete. He's an uh, athletic guy. He's deceptively athletic. Did you know he played wide receiver? No. I did know that. I've, I've heard it. 
Also, Jimmy Graham played basketball. We all know this. I'm trying to be interesting. Is that what you're doing? I'm trying to be be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so Albert Wilson had a touchdown pass to Jakeem Grant in this game. Albert Wilson also had a 76-yard screen pass that went for a touchdown. Jakeem Grant had a 76-yard screen pass that went for... No, sorry, not 76. A 20-yard screen pass that went for a touchdown. So Tannehill's numbers are a little bit bloated, but he was also phenomenal in this game. Yeah. Opened, opened with a terrible undershawn deep ball that Gary and Connolly should have should have intercepted, looking for Kenny Sills on the left sideline. But then he hit Kenny Sills with a perfect touchdown throw soon after. And he had a phenomenal throw to Devontae Parker on the right sideline. I think it was about 40, 45 yards in the air. And he his ability to throw the ball deep, especially against pressure, is honestly, it, it's, it's at a point where you've probably got Aaron Rodgers ahead of him. You've probably got a healthy Andrew Luck ahead of him. And after that, like there aren't many people you're going to put ahead of him. So them having him back is huge. My big question is how much can Mike Kosicki get involved? Because he's a big receiving tight end. Really athletic, really able to get up. Kind of deceptively athletic a little bit, actually. Ooh, able yeah. to get open over the middle. Able to make difficult catch- catches against coverage. Yeah, Tannehill had one phenomenal throw to either Kosicki or AJ Derby. I haven't figured out which one it is yet. So they're both the same height. They're both the same complexion. One of them wears 86. One of them wears 85. It's impossible to point. tell them apart. Right, unless so, you can see 86 or 85. Yeah, but you can have you seen those Dolphins numbers? They're not good. It's like all they're right. all on white. It's it's light on light. So, it's not good. It's it's a bad situation. Yeah, Especially it's only if you if you can tell a five from a six, you're in good shape, otherwise you're screwed. I mean, I've never been a numbers guy, alright? I don't get paid to know the numbers. I get paid right. to know the, fo- the football on the field. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> But overall, the Derek Carr probably should have had four interceptions in this game. Threw the, got baited into a couple of throws. Threw the ball to Xavier Howard twice. Howard is phenomenal. That if you want a, a, a an underrated thing to say to someone who doesn't follow football all that closely, talking about Xavier Howard, he's probably getting a little bit more popular now because he's interceptions. But in terms of athleticism, in terms of body control, in terms of reading the play of the quarterback, that guy has the talent to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. All right, and then what about last thing? Christian McCaffrey finally breaks 100 yards. I feel the like I haven't got any weapon. takes from you. You're, you're still recovering from this wedding, I think. Is this hangover uh, hitting you? Well, I just I didn't I only saw a little bit of like I didn't see a ton of the games <laughs> we were talking about because I was in the airport. Like I like you want to talk the Rams game? I watched the Rams game. Um, I didn't, so I want to hear your takes on the Rams. I watched I watched as much as I could of of Broncos Ravens. Um, Rams were I mean the Rams are. Rams are in a bit of trouble because, like, Marcus Peters is hurt, Keep Tlaib is hurt, um, and they come up and they have to play the Vikings Thursday night. Like, I know the, and the Vikings just got their asses handed to them by a bad team. So, like, I would assume that's going to help the Vikings, like, be more motivated for this game if that's a real thing. But the fact that they've lost their two corners to go against Diggs and, and Thielen in, in this quick turnaround three days later, like, that's, that's shitty. Don't worry, Cousins will like spike the ball and hit himself in the face with it or something that's, like that. He won't, won't CT. But I do have a question for you. Because, <clears throat> like I've said, I haven't watched this game yet, but I had many, many, many different people say to me that Jared Goff looked like a superstar and had the best game of his career. True or false? Uh he looked pretty good. Like, I mean, he was he was very accurate in that game, but I I mean, I don't know, like it wasn't this like transcendent game where you're like, wow, Jared Goff, boom, superstar. Like he was good, but it wasn't it wasn't an amazing game. I feel like it's hard for him to have that game just because how goofy he is when he moves. He sure, looks so yeah. weird when he's he moves. A, he's a goofy moving guy, that's for sure. Anyway, Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
Christian McCaffrey was outstanding in this game. He had his 180 yards rushing, I think. The big key was the Panthers' offensive line just mauled the Bengals' defensive line, which is crazy to think. Like, the Bengals are missing linebackers, so their backup linebackers are in, so that helped, obviously. But the idea that Geno Atkins can kind of be irrelevant in a game and Andrew Billings can be controlled on the inside, Carlos Dunlap isn't having a big impression, uh, the other defensive end whose name escapes you right now, the young guy, they... The idea that they can be handled the way they were and give McCaffrey that space to attack defenders in space and create, not only as an elusive player, he had one cut to put the safety, made the safety fall over on his longest run of the game down the left sideline, but he was also breaking tackles and hitting the point of contact in a tackle. Like a gift one of them on Twitter this yesterday or today where he hits him at the 48-yard line and the ball ultimately gets marked at the 51 that wasn't happening last year because he was never getting the, the space to accelerate into contact or the space to get defenders off balance before they hit him. So now that he's getting that, the big difference has been Norv's play calling. He's He's got the running zone more, so that helps helps the running back create a little bit more. He's also using these option plays that work a lot better. Cam is kind of stealing all of his touches in the red zone at the goal line, so he had two, two rushing touchdowns. McCaffrey didn't right. have any, I don't think. And... That'll probably continue over the year because teams are going to be concerned about stopping McCaffrey as McCaffrey right. as well. That showed up on CJ Anderson's screen touchdown where they had this whole... So McCaffrey lines up wide left, runs behind the quarterback, runs into the right flat. Newton catches the snap as McCaffrey's moving behind him, moves with McCaffrey as if he's doing a speed option or if he's, if he's going to throw a screen. Everyone is flowing to the right. Anderson drops out to the back to the left flat, has two offensive linemen, maybe three offensive linemen with him. Completely on unblo- or completely unaccounted for because everyone is so scared of Cam and McCaffrey on this read option or on this screenplay. So he throws the ball back to Anderson. Anderson gets basically untouched for twenty five yards downfield and then finds his way into the end zone. That's the kind of stuff that Mike Shula didn't do enough of last year, where he's using McCaffrey as a decoy, but he's using it in a clever he, or he's doing it in a clever way. Shula kind of did it in a f- kind of a fucking dumb way where he would have McCaffrey very obvious situations where they were going to throw a screen to him or not throw a screen to him and he would have him running up the middle all the time and it just didn't work so that's a really positive thing I don't think Norv has had a great season so far the first couple of weeks but McCaffrey was great this week Cam looked great this week after last week not having his best his best game he didn't have interceptable passes he opened with a phenomenal throw on the right side and Torrey Smith should have caught that's a big issue for them they're relying on Torrey Smith and Devin Funches too much they still need that rookie to get more involved they need Curtis Samuel to be more involved but overall, Panthers look pretty good, and the Falcons just lost another key defender in uh, in the free safety, who is now down for the year as well. So they're missing their starting free safety, starting inside linebacker, starting strong safety. The spine of their team is completely decimated. They should be fine. Ricardo Allen is a free safety. His name obviously escaped me. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be fine. I'm sure. After it's all, just, that. it's just injuries. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I watched none of that game, so I have, I have zero takes. Yeah, hence your this should be fine response. Right. I will say this as we end this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Quickly so, and very, very abruptly. <laughs> so it is, uh, it's 8.38 my time. At 6.38 mine. At 6.53 my time, you said, start whenever you're ready. This game is done. That's when it was 30 to 10, and uh, final score was 30 to 27. So, Legally, done. you were correct. Was it done? It was done. It was legally done. It, is Ryan Fitzpatrick still a pumpkin? No, he threw for 411 yards, three touchdowns. And the next, the next column, please.
Oh, uh, it's uh, you know three interceptions, one per pick, one per pick six, right? It's not a big deal. Yeah, that's that's not the part that lost them the game at all. No, not at all. I feel like jumping on the Ryan Fitzpatrick bandwagon is like having having belief in Michael Beasley at this stage of the year. I love me some Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley had a super weird moment in media day where uh, my friend really? Kyle, Michael Beasley did. Yeah, my friend Kyle Goon asked him, "Hey, you sta- you stated recently that you didn't like that people were saying there were a lot of strong personalities on this team. You know, do you think that could actually be an advantage for the team at some point?" And Michael Beasley responds with, "Uh, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope can really shoot." And then someone in the background, someone off in the other part of the court screams because they're doing like those fourth quarter, like everyone stand up, get loud or whatever. So they do those videos during media day and everything. So someone screams and then Michael Beasley goes, oh, someone's screaming. Next question. That was his answer about personalities. By the way, I have Nora Princiati on to talk about the Patriots tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, we've been about an hour on the Patriots and a lot of different things. So that's, that's a good, it's a it's a good Impressive. podcast. It's one it's one of the few beat reporters of the NFL with a personality. All right, all right. that's all for the uh, hot take Padre. Is that what we're calling this? We still don't have a name for the podcast, but we'll get one soon.